Ahoy, hello, welcome to a brand new episode of Baffled. It's your favourite facts podcast and it's back once again. Every week we bring you facts like sourced, scourged from the internet. You just need to decide whether they are worth remembering or whether they should be chucked into that big bin of nonsense. My name is Dan. This week, I'll tell you about why something you thought about chocolate is, is a lie. Also, a strange taxi rule and we'll hear about one of the oddest films that was made and never released connor is here too uh, we're going to talk about chef's clothing um why will smith is maybe one of the worst actors in the world and uh something about guinness and beards it's all happening it's a brand new episode of baffled hey it's paige Desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing i love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's interesting that we're like dipping our toe, Connor, into the world of Will Smith, because I don't know what, what like we're allowed to say anymore, because like ever since the slap, the high point of his career of winning the Oscar was also the lowest point because he was banned from the Academy and almost just like shunned by everyone. So I don't really know how I feel about him anymore. I know. I feel exactly the same as well. And it's always that thing, isn't there, of when somebody that is like a really, really big celebrity does something bad, can you then speak about them again in public? I mean, and what he done was pretty bloody bad. But I thought, hey, you know, these films are still on streaming services. We can still watch films. We can give a fact about him once upon a time, which actually paints him in a bad light. So, And I predict that in the last year and a bit since the slap at the Oscars, I reckon you've probably watched Hitch about three times. Twice. Twice, just the twice. It's a classic. Yeah. It's an instant classic. Yeah, and six facts on the way for you. You just decide whether they are worth remembering or, yeah, should be thrown away, should be disregarded. They might be pub ammo, though. Who knows? We'll find out, Connor, what you got. Well, while we're on the topic of Will Smith, let's uh, start with him. While doing a press conference in Japan for the release of the movie I Am Legend, Will Smith accidentally revealed the ending to a collection of entertainment reporters. Whole ending was revealed. Warner Bros. turned around to the reporters uh, that were present and asked if they could withhold the ending, and the reporters all obliged without any payoff or consideration. Bloody idiots. Idiots, well... mate. But like we kind of dip around that game and it's one of those things where you want to be nice because if you're the only reporter that reveals the ending of a film, I mean, it's not the biggest scoop in the world, is it? Because everyone's going to watch the film anyway. Mm. It's kind of pointless because then you just won't get anything from Warner Brothers again. Could you not try and get a little bit of cash though, maybe, you know, as a team, as a, as a, as a room, you know, maybe all walk out and then go, do you know what? Let's just ask for a little little thousand quids each. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it, but yeah. have they had an idiot? Have they have they have they had a little bit of a mare there? Uh, I think I think perhaps. I think there might have been money in it for them. The problem is, 
you, and like we I like I've done like press things before and they absolutely like these film companies at least pre-covid had just money to just spunk up the wall like they were spending so much money on all sorts of nonsense that no one ever needed so you probably could have got about a million for them i think well the thing is with this as well is that um obviously we've done interviews before for this type of thing it is a world that we're in and uh it's tough isn't it when you're asking questions to these film stars especially related to the film before the films actually come out because they're so well media trained that you're almost getting nothing back like zero back but it feels like with will smith maybe he just thought you know what I'm sick of it. I've done enough of them. That's it. And then bosh. But to reveal the ending, that's pretty, it's a pretty yeah. big, I think, I think your instinct to be like, let's not do this. Yeah. And let, let's, let's not specifically do that. I don't think I've seen I Am Legend. Yeah. I've seen it once. It's one of those films. It's good. You should watch it, but it's not ones that you go back to often, you know, not like a cheaper by the dozen that you just reel off weekly. But do you remember the ending? Uh, Sort of. I watched it years ago, kind of. I didn't really enjoy it that much. No, it's, it's no hitch. Very few things are ever hitched to be fair. It's yeah. I understand what you mean. It would have been nice to get a bit of cash for them. And maybe that was what made it like the more we hear about Will Smith's past, the more we find out maybe layers of the onion that's made him into a very, very angry onion. Or you could have just turned around and not asked for cash and been like, look, fine, we're good people. We're not going to reveal the ending. But just because you put us in this like situation of pressure and uh, the fact that we've got to keep it from people, just Warner Bro film tickets for the whole family free for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that would have been doable. That would have absolutely been doable as well. While we're talking about films, Connor, this is my first fact of the show. I want to tell you about a movie called Empires of the Deep. Okay. It cost $130 million to make. I've seen the trailer. Like, it looks like a big film. Like, this, it looks a bit Game of thrones a bit Star wars Like, these are big set pieces. Doesn't look as ropey as some films that you've seen. And it's never been released. Why? It was a pet project of a Chinese billionaire realtor called John Jiang. He came up with a story and financed pretty much most of the film. He loved movies. He wanted to make his own one, so he produced it. He he, he wanted to, to make a film like Steven Spielberg or like the Indiana Jones or the Star Wars movies, like a huge film. As I say, spent over $130 million on it. Tried to get James Cameron to write the script. Uh, he persuaded a guy called Irvin Kirshner, who wrote, who directed Catwoman, to direct it. Everything was going like right. They were making the film, and then it was just swiftly nonsense. They just right. could never get it. They couldn't get it like published. They couldn't get it distributed. So there is just this film sat there somewhere, and you can watch the trailer. It's called Empires of the Deep. It's set underwater in a land of mermaids, a bit like Avatar. It gives me that vibe, and it's just sitting there. Never been released. There's talk that it so might he, be released. The talk that they, they keep being rumors. It might be released on this day. That goes past. Might be released this day. This day that goes past. I can say because it is a mermaid movie and, the, and most of it is set underwater. I looked at the trailers and the big problem it has is the worst special effect is everything underwater. Like it doesn't. It doesn't so, look like it's underwater at all. <clears throat> so they kind of went for it before they had the go ahead or the commissioning for it. They just went for it and made it instead. They didn't really have like a backing of a, of a film studios yet or, or no. Well, no, know, they didn't or... have a backing of a real film studios. I think this guy, John Jiang kind of created this uh, Chinese film studio to, to really help him make it. I think that's what happens with quite a lot of movies though, especially a lot of indie movies, you know, they'll, uh, someone will make a film for low budget. Then they'll go to a film festival. Hopefully it picks up a, a little bit of, 
traction and energy at somewhere like Sundance and then a bigger film studio will distribute it. They'll be the one that pays to send it out to cinemas. They'll be the one that does all of that side of things. And this thing, even though this guy's got loads of money, he spent $130 million making the film, he can't actually pay anything to get cinemas to play the bloody thing. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, it's a bloody expensive hobby as well, though, isn't it? Because when you look at it, that was just a fun time for him. I'm sure he loved every minute of it. He was living his dream. He was top dog, top high-flying film director, and it cost him 130 mil. Well, interestingly, he he, he produced the thing, and the film's director, this Irvin Kirshner, actually said the, the guy barely came on set. He kind of just sat in his office way away somewhere else in a completely different city, like letting everyone get on with it. The main actor, uh, a lady called Olga Kurlyenko, was apparently paid $1 million for the movie. No return on that. I've not heard of her since. Uh, I think there was quite a lot of problems because they hired quite a lot of um, uh, Russian workers to work in China. So there was big visa issues. And it's just amazing. Like, it I don't sounds like get... a bit of a bloody nightmare. Yeah, I don't want to get into a big debate about morals and ethics here of what $130 million could be better spent on. But on a movie about mermaids, that's literally never going to see the light of day. Uh, that is that is a waste of money. Maybe now's the time to release it, though. We're living in a big old world of mermaids. Obviously, The Little Mermaid's just come out. It's a big old kids' film that's out in the world. Maybe now is the mermaid year. Maybe this is the year we'll see it. Maybe we're in mermaid heaven right now, and all of a sudden it's going to finish off with a blockbuster hit, and it's this. Exactly. I think I got it wrong, actually. A guy called Pitoff directed it, and he directed Catwoman. But still, he said that there was very little chatter. And with streaming, they could release it. They could, And they could release it. There was that film, The Room, that, that came out years and years and years ago. And a guy called Tommy Wiseau uh, did a very similar thing. Like, he had a lot of money. And then they, and then they made a film about that movie with um, uh, James Franco. You might remember this. I think he might have won an Oscar for it. I don't really remember and like the room was shocking at the time. Everyone said it was one of the worst films ever made. But because it's so bad, it's it's like achieved this cult like status where people go and watch it because it is so bad. But you can make your money the, back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the guy's got so much money as well and you got 130 mil laying around to go and make yourself a film, why don't you just create your own streaming service? Get it done. You know, one film on there and that's the film. You know, like when you go on Netflix and it says top picks, top 10 in the UK right now, you just have that film in every single little section of it. Everywhere. Well, just to. Just to put it in perspective for you, Connor, so he's uh, a billionaire. Right. So let's say he's got a billion dollars and he spent a hundred million dollars making this film. That's effectively like you having a hundred pounds and yeah. spending a tenner of it on, I don't know, some old shit. You know, it, it, it's 10% of it. Is, is that really a big deal? It's not, is it? To him? No. And that's the scary thing, isn't it? To him? No. To him, he can just give it a go. It's, it's a tenner, you know? Yeah, it's okay, over 100 mil, but to him, it's a tenner. Yeah, no, no, no bother, no bother at all. Connor, give us your second fact of the show. Uh, the folds in a chef's hat are said to represent 100 ways to cook an egg. By who? Right, so there's 100 folds in the chef's hat. Story has it that apparently the 100 folds were originally used in a chef's hat because of there be a hundred ways to do a certain thing or a hundred ways to cook a certain thing. And as time has gone on, it's because there are a hundred ways to cook an egg, apparently. 
I've looked into the hundred ways to cook an egg. All I can find is the ones that I understand. I think it's one of these ones where it's like, oh, you can scramble the white bit first, then you can scramble the yellow bit, then you can put them together, or you can scramble it like this with butter, you can scramble it with oil, you can scramble it on its own. You know, there's like a hundred different ways to cook an egg. But if you actually Google meaning behind chef's hat creases, it comes up the hundred ways to cook a bloody egg. I've got many different issues with this. Very quickly, I want to I want to know what the creases in the chef's hat's called. It's a chef's toque. Is that, is that what they're called? Yeah. I I've got a few problems with it. Well, mainly well, they're called but... they're called pleats, aren't they? The pleats. little the little bits. Yeah. Sorry, but it's in a chef's toque. Uh, I have many problems. The first one being I don't I don't believe it. I don't believe that they've made this specifically with a hundred pleats because it's a hundred ways to cook an egg. That's my main problem. I think it's a backstory they filled in. Second story, second issue. I don't think there are a hundred ways to cook an egg. Well, neither did I. And I started diving into me. Obviously, with me, let's not dive into the research of the bloody hat and dive into like when that was decision was made uh, in terms of the pleats and the eggs. No, no, no. Let's look at the hundred ways to cook an egg. Bloody hard to find out. Bloody hard to understand as well. But one of those ones where it's nonsense. I believe in terms of there are a hundred ways to cook a bloody egg. I think it's like different ways of cooking the same type of egg but you do it differently you know so what what are we doing so we've got poached fried scrambled omelette boiled five are they just 20 different ways of doing all of those 20 different ways to poach an egg 20 different ways to fry well you've got you've got baked sunny side up you've got cloud you've got soft boiled they're just fried sunny side up is just a fried egg yeah but it's another way isn't it because you flip it and it makes a different tasting egg You've got steamed, you've got over easy, you've got omelette, yes, you've got baked, sunny side up, cloud, yes, hard boiled, you've got poached. Um, yeah, and apparently many more where that come from, but right, apparently we, it represents, yeah, yeah we're we starting could, to lose the will to live. Yeah, we can't just sit here listing ways to cook an egg. I feel that, you, you know, even in the Hold on. oven poached, even in the slow days of Mark being on the show, we wouldn't have stooped that low, I think. Well, this is the thing as well. You can poach an egg and apparently you can other oven poach an egg. Isn't that just two different? But then again, it is a different way, isn't it? It might create the same no. thing, but it's a different way. Right. Well, maybe they've backworked it like this. Maybe they've got the chef's hat with 100 pleats in it and they've thought, oh, 100, that, that would be nice if there was 100 ways to cook something. What is there 100 ways to cook? Everyone around the lovely French, I imagine this is in France, uh, everyone in the lovely French cookery school is going, oh, I don't know. So they say, right, well, uh, let's try and find 100 ways to cook an egg. So they're doing poached, oven poached, you know, microwave poached, hob poached. Like they're just, they're, they're coming out of their arse here. Yeah, I know. That's exactly what I think as well. But the worrying thing is, is that apparently it is real. And if you type it in, it's the first thing that comes up and there's lots of different articles about it. Apparently that is the reason, but I agree. I reckon the pleats were already there and they found a way to fill it because it sounds good, looks good, and it makes a little bit of a thing, doesn't it? I wonder if you, where you buy a chef's hat from. Yeah, mate, yeah, well, like a supplier. Where, where, you can't just go to a shop down the road. You can't go to Primark and buy a chef's hat. No, but I'm sure Amazon Prime would get you there. Why not, you know, they'll deliver one by one o'clock tomorrow, no problem. And I'd love it if there was a, an industry certification, like a board that makes sure your chef's hat has 100 pleats, like they control it. Well, maybe, you know, like I didn't do research too much into the history of the hat as such because I was more interested in the pleats and the eggs representation. But maybe like back in the day, you had to have a license to be a chef and you got given the hat to prove that you've got the license. I don't know, but that sounds like something that could be real. That Yeah, that, that would be an idea. That, that would be something that no doubt fancy, yeah, probably French people would have done. 
Not these days, though, mate. You know, in McDonald's, flip a couple of burgers, little mayo chicken, and there you go. You're a chef. Bosh. I'd love to work in McDonald's with a, a fancy posh app. I think I would insist lunch. on it. I, I would insist on that. When I reheat my hash browns, when I stick the old sliders in, I'd be wearing my 100 pleated hat. Oh, yeah. You would wear the pleated hat, wouldn't you? You would wear it every single bloody day if you was a chef. You'd be the pleated hat guy. Right, second fact of the show for me. Mm. Let's talk about black cabs in London. Famous institution. Uh, oh. Cabbies, you have to... Yeah, what's up? Just don't get me started. I love, love, love the old original black cabs. And now they're bloody, these new ones. I understand better for the environment. And I agree, it should definitely happen. But you can't beat that look of the old black cab. Yeah, you, well, you you have some. It's similar, don't you? But I understand uh, they mm. are like a famous institution. Cabbies, they would have to take the knowledge in theory. They could take you anywhere in London without having to look at a map. They knew everywhere. They had done so much research. The test is called the knowledge anyway. Uh, there has to be a few specifications of what a black cab can do for it to be legal on the road and for you to be certified as a black cab driver. It needs to have wheelchair access. Makes sense, right? Yeah. It needs to have a turning circle of just 24 feet. Right. How about this? It needs to have sufficient headroom for a five foot eight tall man to sit on the rear seat wearing a top hat. Makes sense. Back in the day, it makes sense. A reason why you can't beat the bloody old black cabs. Do you know what they should have done? Here's the thing, because this just sums up why black cabs are so fantastic. That little fact right there. They should have somehow worked out a way to keep the original look of the black cabs. Maybe use the old black cabs, but drop the engine and fit them out with electric engines. Maybe that's too expensive. But they still do look quite similar. No, they don't. The new ones look like something out of a bloody Pixar film. They look like an animation. Got that great oh, right. big old grill at the front. Not a fan. Well, just describe to us, Connor, what an original, what your perfect original London black cab looks like. They, they're just the original black cab with the little circle lights at the front. They've got the circle headlights right at the very front, and they kind of dip over like that. You've got the little grill at the front as well. Then you've got the nice little chrome bumper. Oh, they're unbeatable. They're the best. They are the absolute best. They do look a bit like hearses, though, don't they? A little bit like hearses, and I reckon they were a bloody nightmare to drive. But I'm not talking about the original ones, which were fairly modern. I'm talking the OGs. I'm talking these. The yeah, OG carriages, yeah. Yeah, they're the best ones. And then we kind of progressed onto that, didn't we? Which yeah, we, so we're showing on a, on a podcast right now. But you can Google this. You can see the timeline of black cabs. And now we're on the new bloody things. Awful looking things. Yeah, they they are more mod more modern, and I think they want them to be sleeker. But yeah, you have to have headroom for a five foot eight man, which I think is what they call average height, to sit in the rear seat wearing a top hat. Connor, you are slightly taller than five eight, I would say, near top in nearing six foot. I would hazard a guess. Um, yeah, yeah, you are known to wear interesting clothes. Have you ever sat in the back of one with a top hat? Never sat in the back of one with a top hat. Sat in the back of a black cap with a suit on, yeah, but I've never had a top hat on. But I can understand it. You see, when would this law of or the these sort of um, things come out? When would this have been? I don't really know. So I imagine maybe early 1900s, late 1800s. Well, no, early yeah, 1900s, it, 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 you know, if, if it's an industrial, uh, like a proper motor as opposed to like a horse-drawn handsome cab. Sounds like something you need to consider back then. You know, I'm trying to think of a modern-day version of having to consider something that's modern for a thing that is out now, and I can't really think of anything. I'm trying to think of, like, plane access or... I, I, guess, I guess a good example... I know on trains now we have plug sockets. 
Is that similar? They must have a plug socket. Black cabs used to know. What I really That's enjoy is the fact that that this whole ruling was designed so the dude didn't have to take off the top hat. That he could just sit in, he could just step down, sit in it without the door or the ceiling even bothering his top hat. There's a part of me that feels that the person that put this law in place was a really pompous one that wore a top hat and they just bloody put it in. They're like, you know what? I make the laws. I run the laws. I am the black cab leader. You've got to be able to wear a top hat at five foot eight. There we go. Put it in there. Because if you can't, I wear a top hat. I'm five foot eight and I won't enjoy myself on the black cab. There's your rule. I think you might be right, you know. It sounds like the sort of thing somebody would do in the late 1800s and early 1900s. They're all horrible people then, wouldn't they? A little bit pompous. Uh, there's a bonus fact for you. Every single person who lived in the late 1800s and early 1900s was a horrible, pompous person. And that is a fact, dear listener. Thank you very much for staying with us. Welcome to the Train Happy Podcast with me, Tally Rye. This is the podcast that helps you have a feel-good relationship with fitness, food, and body image. Each week, we'll be digging into an intuitive and inclusive approach to our health and well-being as we're joined by leading experts, friends of mine, and you to hear more about the journey of letting go of diet culture and feeling good in the skin you're in. It's a podcast for everyone, no matter what body you're in. You can find us wherever you found this podcast. Just search Train Happy wherever you get your podcasts and hit follow. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Right, just before we crack on with the final two facts of the podcast, uh, you know, we should address the fact that because Mark isn't here, it's like a slightly more streamlined show, right? Yeah, I feel like it just flows easier. We haven't got that person there correcting you every single bloody given time. So that's the thing. So it's, they're slightly shorter because we're doing six facts rather than nine. And also because we don't have someone pulling up a Google document every time I want to do something and fact check it just in case I said it 300 episodes ago. Yeah. So yeah, I thought I'd address that. 
Uh, also, you know, if, if you're listening and you want to get in touch, if you've got your own facts to share, get to baffledpods.com. We've got everything there. We've got merch that you can buy. You can follow us on the TikTok. You can do all of that and just send an email. Let us know what you're thinking. The search for Mark Head's replacement is on. My money, my fingers are crossed for a, like a spotty ginger lad. Connor, what about you? Yeah, no, I think my fingers are crossed for a, uh, a female. I think it would be a good addition, but a spotty ginger lad would do. Yeah, well, we had Mark. We might as well just carry on where we left off like that. Why not? Right, last fact of the show, what you got? Uh, so Guinness once estimated that 93,000 litres of beer are lost in facial hair each year in the UK alone. I know it's an estimation, so there's not much science that's got involved by this on this. Mm. But mm-hmm. how on earth are they estimating it? That means they would at least have had to figure out how much Guinness is lost in some people's beard for them to even make the guess. Well, when they say beard, I don't think they mean like what me and you have got right now, which is a very, very low stubble. They're talking proper beard. When you think of a beard and you think of a Guinness drinker, whatever that vision is in your head, that's the type of person that I believe they've done the study on. And I think that what they've probably done is just looked at roughly the sip they take, had a little look at how much falls in the beard at the top there. I'm thinking more the tash of the beard as opposed to the rest of the beard, unless you can't manage to drink a pint properly. And then looked at how much that happens throughout, you know, the course of the drink and then worked out from there, right, there's your average. And bosh, what's that looking at? How many Guinnesses are drunk throughout the year? But I can't work out how they get in the beer off. Are they... It's, that's confusing me because it's more the head, isn't it, as opposed to the actual liquid? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the white foamy head right at the top. And it only ever gets really stuck in your moustache unless it dribbles down into the main frame of a beastly, bushy beard. And it only I seems am... to be as well at the sort of beginning, you know, the first sip. By like the second or the third sip, I believe like that head just decreases. It's not, it's not as punchy. It's always when it first comes out of that pump. It's a nice, big, thick head, isn't it? One of the greatest things that Guinness ever have ever done is invent the Guinness game. And people say that they haven't. So the Guinness game is in your first sip, you need to get the line between the main body, the black of a Guinness and the white head. You need to get that line uh, nestling. Some people have played with different rules. I play in between the bottom of the Guinness harp logo and the top of the N. That's the main one in your first sip. Now, the benefit in this, I don't know who came up with it. I reckon it must have been someone in Guinness because it just makes people drink more because you drink so quickly because you've done like yeah. a third of your pint in the first sip. Absolutely. I love a Guinness as well, don't you? Cracking beer. I do apologize to all the American listeners right now as well because sorry to you guys, but you really do struggle to get a good pint of Guinness in America. I've got to be honest. Which we discovered when we, when we went to New York. Loads of other great beers, but Guinness, not your strong suit. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There is a little bit of extra to this. I've just found a really good article on this. I should have probably found this pre-episode, but I've just found it. The scientist that done this study, isn't it great that a scientist decided to do this? Fantastic. There we go. Found Basically found that the average drinker takes 10 sips to sink a pint of Guinness, of which 0.56 milliliters of Guinness is trapped in the average mustache at every sip. Okay, and I think zero. Well, no, that's too convenient because a pint is five hundred and sixty mils there or thereabout, maybe a bit, bit less. So the fact it's not point zero five six, it's almost that's what zero point one percent, or is it one percent? Um, yeah, um, no, not uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the, it is a percentile of it. it is a directly factorable by ten percentile. Uh, which was makes that a really good moment there where Mark would have been handy? Do you think? 
Uh, he could have done some quick maths in his head. Yeah, I don't know. I can't move the decimal points in my brain like that for a long day. Yeah. I think it's too convenient. Too convenient. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's just absolutely too convenient. But I get that a lot of Guinness poor. Let's forget our. Let's not forget our, our poor lost souls of Guinness are lost to the beards, the big beard boys, every single day. And also as well, if you are drinking Guinness with a beard, please bloody wipe it. Can't stand it. And anything else that falls in your beard too. Thank you. Last fact of the show. I'm going to blow your mind, Connor. White chocolate um, is not chocolate. Of course, well, yeah. Um, yeah, it White is. chocolate is not chocolate. It's a different version of chocolate that's white. Technically, it ain't chocolate at all. Well, no, because chocolate's brown. Big, well, no, but dark chocolate's still a chocolate. White chocolate is not oh. chocolate. What is there a crucial piece? Is it because cocoa's not in it? Well, almost. White chocolate is made of a blend of sugar, cocoa butter, milk, vanilla, and a fatty substance called lecithin. Let's forget about that. Not important. Uh, white chocolate is not normally a chocolate because it doesn't uh, contain chocolate solids. Cocoa beans are removed from their pods, fermented, dried, roasted, cracked open, their shells discarded, and then the nibs are ground into a paste called chocolate liquor. And that's what makes the cocoa butter, which what makes the white chocolate. It lacks the actual component of real chocolate, which is this nib, because it's made of like a like a derived cocoa butter instead of bam, the actual nibs, which is proper chocolate from the seeds. Mmm. Okay, interesting. I do. I'm, so what would you call it then if it's not white chocolate? What's, what's it called? What's the name? I don't really know, actually. Uh, cho- uh, chocolate-like product, perhaps? What is Chocolate-like white? product? Yeah. Chocolate technically. I don't know. Uh, it's confectionery. Confectionery. I think is what they call it. Confectionery. Right, okay. That- interesting. I love it. I bloody love a bit of white chocolate. Good, good tasting bit. Uh. Yeah, but I think white chocolate more than any other chocolate, you can really... We have had a food-heavy show today with eggs, Guinness, and now white chocolate. Your perfect meal. Uh, it's very, like, distinguishable when you can tell when it's bad. Like, there's a very yeah, fine line can. between and good white chocolate, whereas other chocolates are kind of fine. And, like, crap yeah. chocolates that you might get in an Easter egg, crap milk chocolate is okay because there's a certain joy mm. and appeal in it, whereas crap white chocolate is, just, is, like, cardboard and awful, and it's not chocolate at all. Interesting. Well, there you go. All of your uh, all of your lovely milk chocolate, white chocolate dreams have been completely and utterly obliterated. You're not eating white chocolate. Sorry. Did you have many white chocolate dreams? I had white chocolate dreams of swimming in a white chocolate pool. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Baffled. Uh, what have we learned? Well, let's do the foodie one. You're losing a lot of Guinness and wasting a lot of money if you've got a beard. Not And I mean, it just looks frankly ridiculous. Also, white chocolate is not chocolate at all. And there are five ways to cook an egg and you can get fancy 20 times with how you do them. Baffledpod.com if you want to say hello and get in touch. We will see you next week with a brand new episode of Baffled. The search for the co-host carries on. Uh, not long till you need to wait either. Say goodbye, Connor. Goodbye. We will see you next week. Until then, bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.